What if, with the right mindset, anything is possible? Join us now and find out how. It's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka is here to inspire you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, Marla is here to inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power with the Million Dollar Mindset. Today, she'll share heartwarming stories, teach you tips and tricks to building a successful business, plus how to unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset. And now, here's your host, Marla Tabaka. And I am so thrilled to be here with all of you today on this wonderful, wonderful Monday. And I hope you know that I have also been hosting, co-hosting, I should say, it's very exciting, another radio show that airs five days a week, count them five. So, honey, we're doing six radio shows here. It's so exciting. So that is, you'll find that information over on BigPitchRadio.com. And our guest today actually appeared on Big Pitch just last week. And, and I enjoyed our chat so much, but they're just, you know, really short segments over there. So I wanted to have her over here on Million Dollar Mindset so we can really delve into her topic. So today we have with us the founder of Barnett International Incorporated. It's an executive communications consulting firm. And Gina Barnett is also the author of the newly released book, Play the Part, Master Body Signals to Connect and Communicate for Business Success. Gina has been been a speaker coach for main stage TED conferences to, since 2011, and she's coached C-suite executives on how to present to stakeholders, heads of sales on how to inspire their teams, medical students on how to communicate more effectively with patients, and scientists to express complex ideas to the general public. Coaching from Russia to Thailand to Spain has served to deepen her belief that communication excellence in today's global economy is essential for success. And I think business leaders around the world are finally, finally uh, anticipating that and and uh, amping up their game quite a bit. Uh, Gina, be- Gina began her career on stage and has spent over 30 years writing, coaching, and playing, as she says. She's here today to talk to us about how the body affects our communication and thought patterns and how to align these consistently for maximum success in life and business. And you all know that that's one of my very favorite topics. So, Gina, I'm really excited to have you here on the show. Well, thank you. That's quite the introduction. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, I'm just always so thrilled when a when a good book like like yours, uh, Play the Part, Master Body Signals to Connect and Communicate for Business Success, hits the shelves. Because I think that, you know, it's been my observation as an ink columnist and a coach that um, leaders uh, business owners, let me put it this way, the business owners are finally becoming more aware of what it takes to be an entrepreneurial visionary and leader. And I think many business owners now are stepping up to the plate, stepping up to that challenge to learn more about how they can do that. And the art of communication doesn't stop with the mouth and the ears. And so I'm excited to hear what you have to say about body signals and um, how how our body actually influences ourselves, right, our own energy, and that Absolutely. of those we communicate with. 
Well, because it's not a closed system. It's, it's a two-way street, not only between your mind and your body, but then your body and other bodies, and then how your body responds to those bodies. So this is a kind of ecosystem of exchange. And, you know, it's funny what you talk about senior leaders. I, I remember so vividly when I first left the theater and began to work with people in business, and so many of them were very, very brilliant, but basically kind of saw the body as merely a transportation system for their brain, you know, just sort of a way to get their brain around without understanding this dynamic exchange between our thinking process and our bodies and our bodies and our thinking process and the emotions. So it's, it, it's a complex system. It's beautiful, but it needs training for many people, especially people who are very, very smart in their given area and sort of live in the weeds of that area and don't understand how to find vocabulary that's appropriate to get it, their ideas across to other people but also just the instrument, the voice, the movement, all of those things have a huge impact. And yeah. opening that up for people who have no facility with it is often a revelation. So that's a lot to be conscious of, especially for somebody who hasn't necessarily had this keen awareness in the past. So mm-hmm. we've got to pay attention to our body. We've got to pay attention to our voice, our eye movement, our breathing, you know, all of these things. And in your book, you you teach people how to do that. And one of the parts of your book, one of the chapters that really caught my eye, because this is just my thing, is is the chapter that you call Gut Smarts. And mm-hmm. uh, it talks about how our past experiences actually live within us and and uh, what what the cause and effect of that can be when we get nervous about speaking to others or presenting on stage or in the boardroom. Talk to us more about that. Well, the thing about the gut, I mean, we all know that we have this sort of instinctive sense about you know, walking down a dark, sketchy street at night, right? We have this sense that this is not a safe block, let's say, or we have a sense about another person. Are they credible? Are they trustworthy? And we make these decisions very, very quickly. And a lot of times they're very correct because we have this incredible antenna that picks up a huge amount of data on a very instinctive level. This gut sense is probably hardwired into our limbic brain because it enabled us to survive millennia ago as we were traversing the savanna and saw something coming and we had to decide very quickly, are we safe or are we in danger? And if we we didn't make the right decision, we were dinner, right? So in that respect, it's really a part of the, the old limbic brain. On the other hand, yes, you can have an event. Let's say, you know, let, let's say you're a kid or like my father, for example. My father had a severe allergic reaction to strawberries when he was a kid. And to the day he died, he never ate another strawberry. Because wow. it triggered, you know, this terror in him, even though it he may it may have been who knows what triggered it, right? Mm-hmm. But that was his gut said from that point on, I will never eat another strawberry because of this early memory. He was not he was never really able to use his cognitive sense and say, Wow, I was a little kid, maybe it wasn't the strawberry, who knows what it is. It just lodged in his memory and impacted that decision that he made for the rest of his life. And that's an easy one. That's just a strawberry, but there's all kinds of things <laughs> that happen early in life or even as we're growing up that register as a as a memory and then color the way we intuit what's around us. So let's say you, you get a new boss and you don't trust that boss, and that may, because, may possibly be because you once had a friend who resembled that boss who betrayed you years ago. And you may remember that, you may not. 
So it's, it's distinguishing between memory, emotion, feeling, gut. This is, this is very tricky and nuanced stuff that we're just really beginning to understand. I mean, feelings, for example, are sense-based. They come from the body. You know, feeling is I'm chilly, I'm hungry, I'm hot. That's, emotions are very fleeting. You know, emotions are happy, sad, mad. You, know, you wake up grumpy and you see your kid smile and then you're happy. But gut sense is sticky. It stays with you. And sometimes it's very, very specifically appropriate and right on. And other times it is, again, triggered by some unconscious memory. And the only way I think people can determine to, whether to trust it or not is to really do some kind of deep dive into themselves and say, oh, yeah, I see why I feel this way. This has really nothing to do with the current situation. This is a memory that I'm just buried in my pa- from my past or unburied. Or maybe it is true. But it's, you know, this stuff is, re- and, I, and I just urge people in the book to really listen to the gut in a very deep way, to feel it. You know, was, when you're heading into a meeting, you know, is it getting tight? And what does that mean? Or is it bubbly and excited? And what does that mean? I mean, there's so much signaling that comes from the par- that part of the body. And if we just listen to it, we don't necessarily have to act on it. We just have to become aware of it and listen to it. Then we can try to figure out what's really going on. Right. And, and that's, a, I think, a great practice for people to do, even if they don't perceive themselves as being nervous. Because you know, how often has um, have you seen someone, those of you listening, how often have you seen someone whose shoulders are up to their near ears or their hands are clenched or they're tapping their foot 2,000 miles per hour and they'll say, yeah, I'm not nervous. No, I'm not nervous. I'm perfectly fine. I know my stuff. And so you, see, you see it all the time. So, Gina, you have an exercise in the book that you call soft belly. We have just like two minutes to break. Can you squeeze it in and describe a little bit about that? Oh, I love a soft belly is just, it's such a simple exercise and it's so wonderful. And and basically you just sit down, you get relaxed, you sit in a nice comfortable chair. You can also do it standing, but it's better to start seated. And then just let all the muscles in your belly go. Just let them go. Just let the belly get nice and loose and floppy. And, you know, women in particular have a tendency to tighten in the, in the gut, and men are all obsessed with their abs, right? So people tend to tighten. And, of course, you need deep ab support to hold the spine in the correct place, but we tend to overdo it. But even if you just do it for a moment at your desk, just let those muscles go and let the belly get nice and soft, I find that that exercise tends to really fill me personally with a feeling of great joy and just peace it's a and even compassion so i really recommend that exercise in particular if you're dealing with someone that you know aggravates you or makes life difficult to just instead of getting tighter just let the muscles go and see what happens yeah, let the muscles go, take in a few nice, deep, cleansing breaths, and uh, take yourself somewhere good. <laughs> Enjoy the ride. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So we are here with Gina Barnett, and it's, it's very exciting news that Gina's book just released last week, and uh, you'll find it on Amazon and your local um, bookstores as well. So go check out Play the Part 
Master Body Signals to Connect and Communicate for Business Success by Gina Barnett. And when we come back, we're going to learn more about what your body is portraying and and how you can be more conscious of what your body is saying and, uh, and, and really kind of do some of these exercises to bring yourself current with that and start practicing, which is what I love. That's, that's what your book is all about, Gina. It's, it's about helping people change the way they're currently presenting themselves. And you've got some awesome exercises in here. So we're certainly going to cite more of those exercises when we come back. And I'd like you all to visit me in social media. You'll find me everywhere at Marla Tabaka, T-A-B-A-K-A. And of course, my website is also MarlaTabaka.com. And we're heading into break. I can't wait for us to all come back and talk, talk more about this juicy subject. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on toginet.com. Goals, objectives, business and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, business and life coach Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real-world coach for a reason. His no-nonsense style along with an innate ability to form connections with people gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion. Every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, you will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marla Tabaka. 
And we are here with Gina Burnett, who has consulted with thought leaders in science and healthcare and finance, the arts, technology, and she's coached teams to become far more cohesive and creative and collaborative, which is uh, very, very intentional and important work. And Gina, again, your book is just fabulous. I'm, I'm eating it up. I'm enjoying some of the fun exercises, and uh, it's, it's so cool. I, here's, here's something I love about your style and you're right you, you like give these exercises you put them out there and some of them can feel uncomfortable for people who um, are self-conscious even if they're alone some of these exercises can kind of feel goofy right but yep. it's about the play <laughs> it's about the play and you say that you say okay get rid of those little messages in your head that tell you you look like the goof and and so you make your readers so so comfortable in that oh good uh, that's a real intention of mine I've, I really think that our own self-conscious Consciousness is such a huge inhibitor, and if you can find a way to let go and be like a kid again and just, you know, let yourself enjoy the world with your body and how you think and play, it's just, it's such a relief, you know, it's such a, it's, it's wonderful, and we just rarely give ourselves the permission to do that, take ourselves way too seriously. <laughs> we do, we do, and, and you know, for me, um, it's been it's been quite the journey because I used to be one of those kind of uptight people who really cared what everybody thought, and now I'm not. And and it's so cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you can tell because I'm on this show, just kind of putting it out there, right? And um, and and it's so cool. You know, I just want to say to our listening audience that if you're like that, try to make this transition because you know I'm sitting in a seat where hindsight is 2020, and I wish I would have done it so much sooner because life mm-hmm. is so much more fun. Now, Gina, I help. I think your book will help people make that transition. So, thank you for that. Oh well, it's my pleasure. You know, I all I tell all of my clients if they have kids mm-hmm. to have their kids take an acting class just for fun. They don't have to be actors, and that doesn't mean they can't take sports and do all the wonderful things that sports can bring. But acting teaches you how to take chances, how to be silly, how to listen, how to collaborate, how to fail and yet get back up. It's just you learn a whole other skill set that I have a feeling if everybody took a class between you know, that very self-conscious age of 9 to 14 or 15, it would be a very different world. Mm-hmm. I really I so do. Agree. Yeah, I so agree. So, so that brings up some, something kind of interesting, maybe about you personally, if you if you care to talk about it. It's interesting to me that you were on stage for a number of years, and then you made this incredible transition to coaching businesses and and other people and other speakers um, about how to be on stage, even if it's not you know, even if it's a, a stage in the boardroom or something like that. How did you make that transition? Oh, it's very strange. I I, uh, I am still a playwright, and I had a play produced about 10, 12 years ago. I can't even remember now. And uh, the theater company that produced it had a large benefit and invited all of the artists who were involved in their season to the benefit, and I was one of them. And I was seated at a table with a bunch of people I did not know, but got struck up a conversation with this very nice woman who it turned out had a executive coaching firm. And uh, I didn't even know really what it was, technically. And at the end of dinner, she, just from, just from talking to me, said, call me next week. I want to give you a job. <laughs> and it was kind of bizarre because um, I just hadn't even considered necessarily doing that, although I had for many years thought about how I really did wish to bring these kinds of techniques 
to non-actors. I think they're very profoundly mm-hmm. life-altering techniques, and that shouldn't just be performers who know these things. And um, so I took the job briefly and worked there for a period of time and then realized I really enjoyed this work and created my own business about mm-hmm. a year year later. It's, it's so, I love hearing those stories about how life yeah, changes. Yeah, they are unusual. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've won myself, so I get that. And, you know, it strikes me that this information we're talking about, what's in your book, it's not all about business and leadership. I mean, a mom or a dad, a part of a couple, really anybody can benefit from learning about how their body speaks, right? Well, it's also just, it's, Anybody can learn how to be present. I think one of the main focuses for me and one of the questions I get asked a lot is, what is presence? And a lot of people call it charisma and they call it confidence and leadership and all these words for it that make it seem like it's this very aloof sort of magical thing that you're born with. And I know from so many years of working with actors that that's not true. It's a skill. And presence is, is an alignment of a series of actions, you know, there, how you think, how you, how you use your voice, how you move, but also how you really engage in this moment, in the present, the nowness of that. And many people get stuck in their head. I can't tell you the number of people I've coached over the years who say, you know, I was in a meeting with my team or with senior management and I had this thought and I second-guessed myself and I didn't bring it up and I didn't bring it up. And then by the time I had the courage to do so, the conversation Mm -hmm. was three minutes later and had moved way off there. So, you know, what is that inability to, to navigate the present moment and communicate sort of on the edge of time and to own that confidence? And I think it's a skill. I don't think it's magic. I think some people are more fluent in that skill than others, but I know it's something you can learn. And that was another big part of my purpose in bringing this work is to help everyone sort of bring their true self into the moment with as much courage and grace as they possibly can and not to sit on their impulses and judge themselves and get stuck in their own heads. And I do think the body is one route into that, but there's a lot of other ways to do it. And uh, I just really am passionate about people becoming authentically alive because it's brief. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you miss it. So that's where I come from. Yeah, and it's just so much fun too, and uh, I I couldn't agree more. In fact, I just I write for um, Inc. Magazine online, and I I just published last week an article on eight ways um, how to become more charismatic. And huh, great, yeah, yeah, and and you know it was really kind of cool because I got some pushback on that in social hmm. media, like oh no, we're born charismatic. It's not no. something you develop. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Not at all. I mean, I, mm-hmm. if you if if you know who's in New York, you know, you can stand on, in Midtown or in Times Square and see, you know, if you show up at the right time, you can see the actors, you know, walking into the stage door at, you know, at, at half hour or at hour before. You wouldn't even bat an eye. You wouldn't even notice them. And then <laughs> they go into the theater, they do their thing, and they come on stage, and you can't take your eyes off them. Right. It's not magic. It's a skill yeah. set. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll go as far as saying it's a magical skill set. <laughs> <laughs> a good compromise. A good compromise. There you go. Oh, so, so speaking of on stage, 
for for me personally, I'm I'm, I'm going to uh, see if I can call a little tip out of you here. Um, for me personally, when I'm on stage speaking, I'm quite comfortable. Uh, I'm sure you could teach me so much. <laughs> I'm quite comfortable with my hands and my my gestures and things like that. And uh, but when I'm at a networking event or I've met someone new and I'm not in that presentation mode. I never know what to do with my hands. It feels so awkward to have them at my sides. I don't want to cross them. I, what do we do? Well, I think the more you focus on it and think about it, the more uncomfortable you get. Uh-huh. And that's, I mean, in terms of those kinds of events, that what you're describing to me actually is your attention is on yourself versus on whomever is there. You're actually thinking about how you're coming across as opposed to focusing your attention outwards on who is there and really having curiosity about those people. And if you really look out and you see who they are, then you can open up conversation, you can ask questions, and you won't be thinking about your hands at all. I'm sure that when you're home with your family and you're just hanging out, you don't think about your hands at all. So what what you're really saying about those events is that you're self-conscious and not knowing how to cross that threshold of making, you know, real honest conversation. And to me, that always goes back to curiosity. If you focus on yourself, you'll become self-conscious. If you focus out and you look at people and you notice them and you and you can start with the most superficial thing you know what are they wearing what are they look at find anything in the room to take your attention off yourself mm-hmm. and just that what that little mental frame shift you won't even be thinking about your hands yeah yeah and that makes sense I, yeah that make sense? And I love the way you positioned that because it made me go deeper. It made me think deeper about what's going on. And I'm realizing as you're saying that, that the people um, that I'm in front of when I feel that awkwardness, they're people that I, I feel maybe a little... I don't want to use the word inferior, but they're like important people to me. They're smart, mm-hmm. they're collected, they're successful. And and so you're right. I'm I'm forcing myself I'm allowing myself to be more conscious of myself than being present in that moment. So you're right, yeah, you're right on. Yeah. I love yeah, that. Yeah, we all you know, once you get into hierarchical thinking and you think anybody's more than you, then mm-hmm. you're already in trouble. You're already mm-hmm. in trouble. Yeah. Right? You're yep. already putting yourself at a place that is beneath. And I think that that's also you know, that inhibits our that that kids don't do that. Little kids don't do that. I mean, starting by third, fourth grade, they start to create hierarchies. Absolutely. But if you watch, you know, two and three year olds, they're just they're all out there figuring out the world together at the same level. They don't create these kind of systems of categorization. And uh, I'm I'm not a systems. Of, I'm not a hierarchical person. Nobody really believes that about me. But it's true. I I, I truly truly believe that you can learn as much from somebody who works you know, hauling trash as you can from a CEO. I And I know it because I've learned it. So I really believe that. And I think those kinds of thoughts actually really get in our way. They really get in our way. Yeah, yeah they absolutely do. And I know that with some self-growth and self-work, again, because I've been there, um, and obviously part of me still is there, that we can absolutely change it about ourselves. So we're going in a break again. This is, my goodness, it's, we're already half done. I can't believe it. Um, I'd love to, when we come back, talk about a little bit about posture and, you know, how you one would be perceived with certain postures mm-hmm. and, you know, how we stand. Well, this is what we're saying right here, too. 
too, but more on how we stand and, and how our feet are positioned and, and how we're perceived. And uh, I look forward to that. So everybody, please make sure and visit me over at Inc. online. So it's Inc.com slash author slash Marla hyphen Tabaka, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you over at Inc. And you can always contact me at Marla at MarlaTabaka.com. You're listening to Million Dollar Mindset Radio, and we are going to be right back. Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Welcome to Podcasting by Professionals. My name is Keith with Radio Links Broadcast Marketing. And I am here today to introduce you to five top industry pros who will teach you everything you need to know to start your own professional podcast. At the end of the course, we think you'll be well on your way to becoming an expert host of your own show. By the way, please do visit our website. It is podcastingbyprofessionals.com. It's words you never heard. What would you do if you won the lottery? Personally, I never buy tickets because I figure I have the same chance of winning whether I play or not. What's the word for a person who dreams about winning a fortune? They would be called a macabre. Everyone knows the lottery is just a tax on people who aren't very good at math. I say if you want to be near your money, just go to Washington, D.C. Then again, if you want to save money, you can always buy your lottery tickets the day after the drawing for half price. You pretty much have the same chance of winning. Studies suggest that only about half of lottery winners are happier three years later. Whatever you want to call it, Mazuma, Moolah, Spondalix, Deuterumus, Koobity-Koop, money isn't everything, but it sure keeps you in touch with your children. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marlon Tabaka. And welcome back to Million Dollar Mindset Radio. We are here with Gina Barnett, and uh, her book has just been released, and we've been talking about some of the really cool uh, things that we can learn in her book. So make sure to head on over to Amazon or your local bookstore to pick that up. And Gina, we have just covered so many fabulous topics, and I know that you know, the way we present ourselves initially is very important. And people check us out, right? Their eyes go oh, yeah. down. <laughs> so, so help us understand how to best present ourselves when we first step on stage or meet somebody new. Well, it's not even when you step on stage. It's when you get out of your seat. It's even the walk to the stage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, people actually watch that almost more closely than when you're on the stage. and Because it's that you learn a lot just by how somebody gets out of their seat and walks towards the stage. And the things that are so crucial are are a sense of groundedness, centeredness in the body. People talk about good posture. Posture is 
uh, a signifier of your strength and your courage. I mean, it takes strength to hold your head up. It's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and to be aligned and, and have open shoulders and an open chest that, that reveals your, your heart center and to have your head nice and lifted really is a manifestation of a sense of ownership of your body. I'm seeing just amazingly, increasingly everywhere I go, uh, heads two or three inches thrust forward in front of the neckline with shoulders curled forward. And I think it's definitely an outcome of people spending 6, 10, 12, 14 hours a day on a computer. And if you spend time in that awkward head thrust position, that completely remakes your muscles. And the muscles are what hold the bones in, in, in place, and they're changing skeletal relationships. So having, you know, that head thrust posture really, it looks weak. It looks like an ask and not a tell. And plus there's all kinds of implications in terms of what it does to the, bo- to the voice, to breath, to a sense of um, grounded confidence in the body. And these things I'm hearing about all kinds of vocal challenges with fry, improper breathing. I mean, these things really all resonate from the way you hold your body. Mm-hmm. And... To have good posture not only affects how you're perceived, but it also changes how you feel. We all know if you sit in a chair, all slumped over, curled in your middle with your head forward, within a few minutes you will have a diminution of energy. Your mood will change. And similarly, if you sit up and you open, you support, and the head is lifted and the shoulders are relaxed and the posture is good, you'll, you'll feel better. It just, this is not a one-way street. It's a two-way street, and many people are not aware of that. And that's unfortunate because, you know, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you're tired, you feel slumpy and lazy. All you have to do is stand up straight, walk around a couple of minutes, take a few deep breaths, shake out. You can completely re-energize your body as opposed to drinking endless cups of coffee. You can do it organically if you know how. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's um, as an NLP practitioner, I, I learned that trick long ago. And, and I'll tell you, sometimes I've got to look awfully silly in my office here, and I don't care because when I hit that slump, especially if I'm nervous about something or not feeling um, strong about something I'm working on, not feeling positive, I'll get up and I'll march around the office and I'll, I'll like shout out really powerful affirmations. And, uh, you know, I am a knowledgeable leader. And, you know, and my goodness right it changes it changes your internal state when you change your external state of course well how do you think an actor makes an entire audience of people believe that he or she just came in from a snowstorm outside when everybody collectively knows they just walked in from backstage yeah how do you think they do it with their body yeah wow what a gift what a talent that's great. So, so in terms of posture, are there certain ways that, do, you know, our feet are the very, very beginning, the very foundation of that? Are there certain stances or something we should be doing with our feet, say aware of about our feet? Well, one thing I see a lot that people do that is destabilizing is, and I see this more with women than with men, I will say, is they stand with one foot crossed, one ankle crossed over the other. Oh, So they're oh, basically sure. standing on one foot with their, the toe of their other foot sort of on the ground. 
And if you just do that yourself right now, Marla, give it a shot, you'll see yeah. it throws your it throws your hip out to one side yeah. and it's not balanced. It's very easily destabilized balance wise. So I see that a lot. Or I see people shift their weight back and forth. I mean, essentially you want your feet to really be I I call them sort of our movable roots. You know, they are so powerful. They're such a, they're our connection to the ground and to really use the foot fully. There's there's three separate arches in the foot. There's 28 bones there. I mean, the structure of the foot alone is an architectural miracle. And a lot of people have they either pronate or they put all their weight on their heel or they're, they're, they're thrust forward on the toes. Even if you're wearing heels, you can center the weight between both the ball of the foot and the heel and use the full width of the foot, stretch the toes out. If the, if the feet are straight beneath the hips versus right up tight next to each other versus too far wide, that's a really strong stance. I mean, it just, and that's not to say you don't ha- you can't move from there. You can go anywhere from there, but it's, that's your leap. That's your beginning motion. And then if you, in that position, really have the feet well-placed and well-used and you just slightly press your toes into the floor a little bit, that will engage your quads and, and shift your center of gravity slightly forward. And that just feels awesome. It just mm-hmm. feels powerful and strong and grounded. And that's a great place to start from versus one foot crossed on another or, one, you know, just not being rooted. Mm-hmm. And I always say to people that it's me. You have to stay there. You can walk. You can do whatever you want, but you want to have a good launch position. And then, of course, if the feet are well used and they're placed correctly, then it's easier to sort of gently lift the ribs off the hip, hip pelvis bone. You know, just think of some space in there. Think of the head floating, the shoulders nice and relaxed, and a little bit, you know, not pulled back, but just think of the shoulders opening, and and just the whole. I mean, when people sit well or have good posture, it it feels effortless. When you have had poor posture for a long time, and I would say many people do, getting to the place of good posture takes work, and it doesn't feel Mm -hmm. effortless in the beginning, but when you retrain the body, you can get to that place. But it takes training. But it's like anything. You know, if you're going to go to a tennis pro and he's going to remake your tennis game, it takes work. You have to practice it. You can't just have one lesson and, and expect it to be done. And then you go and you hit 500 balls and you integrate it into the body, into the muscle memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does take practice and it takes building that core strength and how important it is to keep your back muscles stable by building the the stomach muscles up too. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear a lot for, for the speakers in the group who are listening here, I hear a lot of conflicting uh beliefs on movement on the stage when you're doing a presentation like a TED presentation. Well, don't we wish we could all do TED presentations, but you know, on the stage speaking to your your audience, your market. Tell us a little bit about how you teach people to move around the stage. Is walking acceptable? Do you go from one side to the next? Do you stay in a little center area? How do we define that area? Movement is is wonderful. I have no problem with movement. Some people are wonderfully kinesthetic speakers. I'm a big mover myself. I have no problem with movement. I think it's it, it, 
it's alive and wonderful. And, and gestures and speech are very hardwired. They come together. As we're learning language, we learn gestures as well. So that's, you know, decoupling that is not easy. I tell people in general that uh, if they're relaxed, then their movements will be organic and, and true to themselves. You don't want to do anything that's repetitive. That's all. You don't want to, you, you don't want to shift your weight back and forth, you know, you know, either from side to side or back and forth. Any sort of pattern becomes like mildly hypnotic, right? Think about watch the clock moving back, watch the pendulum, right? Why does that work? It's because it hypnotizes us. And people, when they get into any sort of pattern, it lulls the audience. Brains like surprise. They're attracted to surprise, the unexpected. So you want your movements to be organic and true to your commentary and driven by the objective of that commentary. So there's no one rule. There's, there's, you know, I mean, TED is its own situation because they've got the big red circle and people are being filmed. You know, my, the majority of people are just speaking to a, a conference or people are, there's not that level of focus and attention, obviously. But repetitive movement, pacing, all of those things need to be eliminated. You need to ground mm-hmm. yourself and you want to move. If you do move, you want to move for a reason, for an intention. So you can stand in one place for a little while and then take a couple of steps over because you want to engage this part of the audience or you want to look over here to make eye contact with this particular person. It's about connecting. It's about talking. It's about communicating. I think the challenge most people feel when they get on a stage is it becomes, you know, me alone and them out there. It becomes a speech and not a conversation. And that really changes the dynamic. It makes the speaker uptight, less authentic, kind of behind a glass wall, versus in the room, in conversation, in exchange with the audience. So I, I, I don't feel that there are single rules to this. Um, I think it's really dependent on the individual style and what makes them comfortable. But the, the, the key for me is that they're comfortable. If they're mm-hmm. comfortable, the audience will be comfortable. Right. If the speaker's nervous, the audience will be worried about that speaker. That's just the facts. If the audience senses the speaker is not comfortable, the audience will be focused on that and worried about this. Nobody can stand watching somebody on stage who's terrified or uncomfortable. We worry about them. It's just our empathic core kicks in. So the more you're just relaxed, the better. But again, you want to be relaxed but not do repetitive motions. You know, I was coaching somebody just last week who sways back and forth. I said, I'm getting seasick watching you. Just, you know, stop. (laughs) (laughs) But what happens a lot of times is when, you know, we're sort of hijacked by the adrenaline, we don't even feel that we're doing it. People don't even know they're doing it. And I've gone so far as to sort of squeeze their hips, my hands like a vice, and say, you know, imagine my hands on you when you're on stage. You may not sway. But um, other than that, I think it's really about being there, being relaxed, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. being who you are to the best yeah. of your capacity. I, I mean, agree. I've had so and, many clients um, who said, you know, oh, you know, there are also... I was, yeah, I've had clients who said to me, you know, oh, I was told I use my hands too much, you know, 15 years ago, and they're standing there with, like, zombies now, with not moving. You know, they got bad coaching, and that just, that just does not work for people. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Gina, can you hear me okay? Yes, can you hear me? Okay, yeah, I can hear you fine, but uh, I seem to be having some technical difficulties on my end, so please forgive me for that. There are uh, some some things that people do with their voice that aren't so desirable when they're speaking, right? 
Unlocking the secrets in you to create a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marlon Tabaka. And we'll be right back after these. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. It's time to devote time to yourself. And strap yourself in for a fun, down-to-earth, enthusiastic, compassionate, easy-to-understand discussion on the unlimited ways you can be all that you want to be. Join us for Bee Institute Radio with Christine McKee on Toginet Radio. Each week, Christine will have lively and open discussions and interviews, share stories and case studies, and hear from experts on the topic of the week. Christine, a registered psychologist from Australia and published author of Be by Design, How I Be is Up to Me, hosts lively discussions and interviews every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Mindset. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it all starts with attitude, and Marla is here to help. It's the Million Dollar Mindset on Toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Marlon Tabaka. And here we are in our final segment of the show. And, you know, it's, it's, it's so sad sometimes to say you're in the last segment because I could talk to, to you forever, Gina. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> so, going into break, uh, we had a little technical difficulty with, with uh, I think, my connection over here. So, I'm not sure that the audience and the you actually heard what, what I was asking of you. And, and that is to talk about the voice because, uh, you know, body language is, is so important. But that voice, boy, you know, it can be incredibly powerful. And, and you have some exercises that uh, we can use to prepare our voice to suit the intention of our communication. Tell us what those are. The voice is so central to how we impact other people. And it can calm people down. It can agitate people. The voice itself is really the emotional center for all of us. I mean, think about just when you call someone that you know really well and you hear one word, one word. You don't even have a visual. And you know from that one word, you know, you woke them up, they're in a bad mood, they don't feel well, they're happy, because really the, the, the engine of our emotions it, it lives in the voice. So having a rich voice, having a voice that is aligned with that is really important. Having volume, having knowing what the main thought of a sentence is so that you can figure out where to put the emphasis on a key word. Uh, I mean, there's so many aspects to the voice, and I could probably talk about the voice for about two days straight. But um, in terms of 
delivery, I mean, what's critical is that there's resonance, there's a strong breath, that there's music to the voice. It's not predictable. It's not monotone. What happens to a lot of people when they get tense is they don't breathe deeply and their voice gets very kind of flat and monotone and you have no idea what really matters or what's going on or what's most important. That's really hard to listen to. And so having variation, having pace variation, tune variation, tone variation, melodic variation, these are the things that really capture the ear. And people need to understand that this instrument, the the vocal instrument, is enormously impactful, especially now as we have more and more of our communications over telephone or video, you know, teleconferences. I work with clients who sometimes have 10 or 15 people on a phone conference from all over the world, and people just, you know, do their report in this kind of da-da-da-da-da droning way, and people push the mute button and don't listen. I mean, you have, when all you have is your voice, you have to keep people engaged. And, And because people don't study the voice or really think about this, um, they don't familiarize themselves with various ways to increase and enhance their vocal production, which there's a few exercises in the book. There's there's so many I could give, but I, I limited myself because you know, <laughs> I'm not, I, I don't want to become a voice teacher in the book. But there are, and I identify actually in the back of the book many great books on this because there are master teachers on the voice particularly. But then there are all kinds of verbal tics that people have that can become very challenging. You know, the the, the most frequent one that I encounter is you know, vocal lift, where people just sort of speak like that. And mm-hmm. end every comment with a question, and it just is so eroding of your power and confidence yeah. to do that. Uh, other things that I notice a lot are what I call minor lockjaw, people who mumble and don't enunciate well. And you know, there are just so many things that can impact the, the impact and the efficacy of the voice. And then finally, I think another piece of the voice that's very important people don't really think about is vocabulary. Finding the appropriate word, having a robust vocabulary, finding the word that it really suits the moment, again, going back to presence, finding the words that are right in the moment, really critical. I've seen entire negotiations fall apart because of a badly used word. So that's a whole other piece of the voice that, that people don't give nearly enough attention to. And, of course, as people, just like with habits with bodies, people find habits with their speech, and they rely on the same sort of hackneyed phrases or the same patterns, and that that needs to be explored as well and sort of opened up and and um, remade on a regular basis, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the misuse of words, that's one of my pet peeves. And uh, it, it, for me, if you don't, if you aren't absolutely positive about how a word is used, just don't use it until you can teach yourself. And I had an experience just the other day that was uh, kind of strange, but uh, we're looking for more hosts on my other radio network. And so I was speaking to someone who was really interested about that because we want to launch this network big, you know, and, and so I've got a lot of people who went on board, and uh, this gentleman used two words incorrectly within our five-minute conversation. Well, that did that. He cooked uh, his goose. Right? Right? And the sad thing, you know, was he was otherwise very articulate, and, um, you know, he had a lot of knowledge, and he had everything else going for him, but I thought, yeah, no, I don't want you on on our airwaves. Good, good thinking on your part. Why would you, right? <laughs> Terrible. Exactly. Yeah. 
exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. So, I mean, we all make mistakes. And, and Absolutely. We all make mistakes. Oh. But in general, it's really important, in particular for high-stakes communications, you know, high-level negotiations, high-level meetings. You really have to know what you're going to say well ahead of time and practice as well. There's no harm in practicing. I'm giving a speech very shortly, and I've been practicing. I mean, I'm somebody who does this all the time, and I practice. I'm practicing like a maniac. Why? Because... I know that that what that what that does. I mean, no one should go to any event that's high stakes without rehearsing. You know, you don't see somebody playing in the World Series and not warming up and spending you know hours and hours and hours in the on the field perfecting their game. And a lot of these events for people are very high stakes, and they think, oh, I can just show up, and uh, it doesn't work too well a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you've got to find your way of practicing. I know when you have I... to find your way. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. When I some started... people say, if I over practice, then I get wooden. I'm not authentic. Uh-huh. I don't feel alive. So you have to find the right way to practice. Right. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yes. I used to try and write my speeches on the computer, and oh my gosh, the stress that would cause. And so then, I, after a year of this, I finally figured out that going for walks in the woods with my little uh, digital recorder, recorder at the time was the way I could construct my speeches. I needed to be natural. I needed to do what I do on stage, and bam, since then I've been. And look at what you just said. You went walking. Mm-hmm. Again, that goes right back to the whole theory of embodiment in the book, which is the walking was able to trigger the thought process as well. Yeah, we have to help that body to work with the mind and be present. That's right. All of our That's states. right. Uh, Gina, tell us if you're willing to share, going back to Barnett International, your company, and you as an executive communications expert, can you tell us a success story, something that is just was a tremendous before and after kind of story? Oh, where? Oh, where do I start? I'm really putting you on the spot. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> I've, I've, had a, I've had a lot of really wonderful I've had, I will tell you I got an yeah, Okay, I'll tell you just what happened last week. I worked with a woman uh, probably about five or six years ago, and um, very sophisticated, very, very smart, but the, the, she was, I was called in to work with her because she, no one wanted to work for her because she was really hard on her people. And... Uh, I met her, I enjoyed her, I I found her very demanding of herself and of others, and we began to explore how she mentored and how she worked with people and what she would do when they would write up these highly, highly complicated reports for all kinds of regulatory reasons, and she would just destroy them. And I said, well, have you ever been curious and asked what their thinking process was, what made them fill them out that way? Have you ever, you know, really explored how they design and think so that then you can get in there and work with that element? And we did a number of different things together and and we had a wonderful engagement life went on i got an email from her literally two weeks ago out of the blue saying i'm writing to tell you that you have changed my life that i have meant to thank you all these years i went on a family vacation and one of the members of our family died on the vacation it was so traumatic and it made me realize how much your work meant to me and how much I needed to thank you. And um, it was just amazing, just incredible. I emailed her back. I told her I was thrilled to hear from her. And then I invited her because my book party launch was last week. I invited her, and she showed up. Oh. And just, you know, was in the room. I hadn't seen her in years, and she just walked in and just, threw her arms around me and just and I said, Well how's it going? And she said, Oh, I've gotten two promotions and my team is great and you know, everything was really 
She was high as a kite. So that's a good one. That's very, very that's, recent. <laughs> those are the best. Those are the yeah, best. It was, just, it was just so wonderful to see her yeah. and to hear how oh. she's doing. And, you know, I, was, oh. I said, I'm so sorry that it was a traumatic, horrible loss that triggered you reaching out. And she said, well, it made me realize how brief this is and that you right. taught me so much about that, and I just had to thank you. So it was very, oh, very sweet. That is so special. Gina, tell us, tell our audience where they can find you and where they can uh, – you have a website for your book, I believe. So give us all that good information. Uh, the website for the book is www.playthepartbook.com. Uh, my business website is Barnett International or Gina Barnett Consulting. I can't remember. <laughs> it's one of those. Maybe both. <laughs> one of those two. <laughs> well, I, I won't tell you why I had to change the name because it's too funny, but it, it, there was a competing organization that sold something that it, I really didn't want people buying, and um, which I'll tell you offline. But um, yes. so, yes, I, those are the two ways, essentially. Uh, I'm on Twitter now. I just very late to that party. Just joined a couple of weeks ago, and I have, I think, wow, 60 followers. Very exciting. Woo-hoo, that's a good um, start. Hey. Yeah, well, amazing. Yeah, you see people have like 40,000 or a million, and you think, ooh, 60, what am I doing? But in any case, I joined <laughs> that. So, yeah, I don't do Facebook. Uh, just There's just too much else to do. Uh, yeah. But those are those are the two ways that people can find that's me. But mostly great. they should just go get the book. Yeah, because the book, the book The book is me, and uh, you'll get a lot out of it. Yeah, most definitely. Well, it has been delightful having you on Million Dollar Mindset oh, Radio. Oh, thank you so Tina. much, Marla. Yeah, thanks for being here, and I hope to connect with you real soon. Well, that would be great. Where are you in reality? Oh, I know Chicago. You're, you're in Chicago. Well, if I ever get to Chicago, we should make a date. It would be fun. That would be so much fun. I would love that. I make the best friends on this show. I just have to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. You're a wonderful host. Oh, so, thank you. really fun talking to you. Thank you. And we have a wonderful audience, too. I'd like to thank all of you for being here today. And, of course, you can tune in every Monday at 2 o'clock Eastern time. And I always look forward to being here with you. You'll find me at MarlaTabaka.com. And don't forget to go to PlayThePartBook.com and Amazon, of course, to pick up this wonderful book. We'll see you all here next week. Thanks so much. Thank you for being a part of the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka from Toginet. If you've always known there was more out there for you, but you just weren't sure how to get there, and